0: Hey, it's Joe Trapel. This is Caught Inside. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of Caught Inside. It's day 13 of the Australian quarantine, where we've been catching up with our championship tour surfers here in Sydney, Australia. The final episode features Griffin Colapinto. Griffin, good morning. Great to see you.
1: Good morning, Joe. It's good to see you as well, my friend.
0: So cool to be where we are today, uh, this far down the stretch of this quarantine. I'm assuming this is the longest time that you've ever been by, by yourself.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I've never done 14, 15 days by myself. So new experience for sure. (laughs)
0: Looking back now, as we uh, see the light, as we're going to be evacuating this place tomorrow, uh, what was the hardest thing that you had to endure in quarantine?
1: Um, I'd say probably like third day into the quarantine, I had to, I had to start getting creative. I ran out of things to do. And so I think that was probably the hardest. And then I kind of figured it out from there.
0: It seemed like maybe you were losing your mind relatively early, a couple of days in. Was that right? How, how are you managing uh, the loopiness that can come with a, a situation like this?
1: Yeah, it's kind of. Uh I felt like I managed it pretty well. I just had a few little moments here and there, but overall I was I felt pretty good about it.
0: It was so entertaining to watch this commercial challenge and we've seen this from you before. I know this is something maybe that's been happening in your family for a pretty long time. Can you tell us where this commercial challenge came from?
1: Yeah, it came from my my grandpa who would always have us over for these big dinners at his house like once a month in San Diego and there'd always be, we have a big family. So there'd be a lot of people there And towards the end of our dinner, it'd be like, okay, all the kids have to go and pick an item and do one commercial for us. (laughs) And so it became a ritual. and, And then we started kind of getting used to like that nervous feeling of like having to perform in front of people. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking, but if you did a good one, it felt pretty good.
0: Thanks for the entertainment, especially during this quarantine period. I know it's early. This You've been the earliest guest we've had on this show. Do you mind if I put you <laughs> on the spot and you give us a, a commercial challenge right now, please? I'm getting
1: nervous already. Uh, yeah, I think I could pull something off for you, maybe. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. Whenever, do you want me to count you in to start? Would that help with like a three count?
1: Uh. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, let me get in my head real quick. Like what am I going to do here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. All right. Yeah. You, can count, me in. you
0: Three, can count me in. Two. One. action.
1: Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have body milk from feel good sunscreen. Have you been stuck inside too long? Have you been quarantining for 14 days? Your skin's starting to dry up. Well, if so, you're in luck, because we have body milk from Feel Good Sunscreen, the best in the business. You know what, I need some right now. My face is feeling dry, and look at that. It just goes on, rubs right in. Oh, oh, it feels good. Next thing you know, your skin is feeling like a baby's bottom. Go get it today, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Oh my gosh, that was brilliant, brilliant, off the cuff, first thing in the morning, and you're on fire, I mean, you're destined for big things, if you ever want to take this on, what if you're in a commercial during the Super Bowl or something, would that be like a life goal for you?
1: <laughs> Might have to write that down, huh? <laughs>
0: Oh, that is all time Griffin. Thank you so much for that. It's hard to be on the spot like that when you feel those nerves coming in and you're presenting yourself. And I mean, you do it all day on Instagram and let people in and get people laughing. Uh, Is that something that gives you a lot of joy when you know you're making people just crack up all day?
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, I'm more entertaining myself the most because I'm doing this (laughs) stuff and I I watched the video back and I'm like, wow, I'm freaking weird. (laughs) And <laughs> then I start laughing at myself and then I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to post it. Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, this one might not, people might trip out on this one, but I just do it anyways. Cause I've gotten to the point where I don't really care what people think of me. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to do it.
0: <laughs> what a free feeling.
1: Yeah, it feels good for sure.
0: You're like, this is who I am. And you've always owned. That's, that's, a, that's such a brilliant place that, I mean, you find and you're only 22. I, I'm really impressed by that. One other thing I've noticed too, is during this time, as far as breaking the internet's concerned, maybe that's why it's so slow over in your hotel, but your filmer, Cameron Jonas. Oh my uh-huh. gosh. He just <laughs> broke free and set the internet ablaze with these music <laughs> videos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cameron's 22 as well. And, uh, it's really cool. We've been friends for a super long time since we were like 14. We kind of started once I started like going to high school parties and stuff and getting into like girls and all that. He was kind of like in, in school still. So he was my friend at school. Then we'd like, and I was homeschooled. So I had a couple of friends like him and we'd meet up and like go out together and just, you know, when you go into parties together at a young age, you get like really close because you have like all these fun experiences and talk story the next day and stuff so yeah we just got really close like that and then um this last year i asked him if he wanted to come and film me because he he's already a really good editor like he do, makes fishing videos and he's a really good fisherman and he got really good at editing through doing that and just like having fun with it I was like man would you want to come try filming me and Surfing and stuff. He's like, yeah, why not? And then so he came to Hawaii and then we just mesh super well and his energy kind of matches my energy. And yeah, it's super fun having him along and we'll have him here for the three months.
0: And so his role in Cola Brothers is huge. By the way, I love that YouTube channel that you guys put together. Um, for for Cameron, is he like a producer as well? Because obviously he's very charismatic and he's got a lot of creative ideas. So does he say, hey, I've got a great idea for an episode of Cola Brothers. How does that work?
1: Yeah, well, I guess, our, yeah, our episodes haven't been like, we haven't gotten like crazy. like I don't know, I feel like the potential... Of the creativeness could go through the roof with him. So I feel like we haven't re- reached that potential yet. Uh, we did do one Instagram video in Hawaii where I was like singing that Tame Impala song and then it went into like me surfing it off the wall. That was his idea to do that and like act like the surfboard was the guitar and I was like drumming and then put me all together. And so that was his idea. That was really fun. And I like to do more stuff like that.
0: I just love how it takes you into your just day-to-day life as a pro surfer, but even just as being yourself, like you said, you, you're comfortable in your own skin. That shows in the series, Cola Bros. And you get to hang out with your brother Crosby all the time, which you love to do. And that was also great news going into this quarantine that we realized the Cross was here as well and getting in quarantine. You guys are in separate rooms, though. And I was thinking with there's a lot of families together, husband-wife teams, boyfriend-girlfriend, throughout this uh, 14 days. Would it have been a good thing if you and Crosby were, were stuck in the same hotel for 14 days, or do you think it's a little better that you guys have space? How would that work as brothers?
1: <laughs> uh, I honestly think it's probably better that we have the space. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It would have been cool for sure for a little bit, but the fact that we're going to be together for possibly three months, you know, it's probably good to start off with that space.
0: With uh, a lot of great sibling duos on tour and in history of surfing, we've seen a lot of different dynamics where brothers push each other harder than anybody else in the world when it comes to rivalries and making themselves better. You always think Irons, Lopez, you know, Hobgoods, uh, do you guys have that same dynamic? Is he the one surfer in the world that pushes you harder than anybody else?
1: yeah, I think I think just like this season in Hawaii, it, that was like the first time it had started where you know, hit, him getting a crazy one or surfing super good like really fired me up to want to surf better. like even when we were home, we'd surf we went surfed Oceanside, had this one session Oceanside, and he just started like, landing all these airs and gnarly combos and stuff and i was like oh shit i gotta i gotta pick it up here and then i <laughs> and then i started landing a bunch of stuff and surfing better and i was like well i don't know if i would have done that if it wasn't for him doing what he was doing so in that way i'm like well we are pushing each other now
0: and now seeing him in the draw here at the rip Cur- rip curl newcastle cup presented by corona is a big deal. Was it true that he had no idea coming into quarantine and it was a surprise uh, a couple of days in, or did he kind of have a, a little thought that maybe it could happen?
1: Yeah, he, he had a thought that it was a possibility, but leading up to coming here like three weeks out, he was, he was like, Oh, I'm not going. Cause he, he didn't really feel like doing the quarantine and he had an opportunity to go, to uh, the mental wise with Brody Sale and Shane Dorian and those guys, and I was just kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know. I think you should come with me, but whatever you whatever you feel like is right, you know." And then he kind of waited out, waited out, super last minute. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with you guys. I think it'll be better for everything with Cola Bros and all that." And then yeah, and then he's in the hotel room, and finds out he's in the first event, and now it's all worth it.
0: What's the age difference between you two?
1: Three years. I'm 22 and he's
0: 19. Oh, right on. And, and I, I love the, the dynamic you have. Both love to laugh, enjoy uh, taking people into your life as brothers, growing up in this pro surfing type of element. And I think one thing that stands out to me too is like you mentioned with your friends, uh, your filmer now who's a big part of your YouTube channel and some of the friends you've brought to tour events you have a lot of different types of relationships, not just a bunch of pro surfers day in, day out. You have a nice healthy balance of the people you grew up with in San Clemente as well.
1: Yeah. I've got a really good group of friends at home that aren't pro surfers, but they like to surf and they all, they always come over to my house every, pretty much every day and we just hang out and just have a good time. And those guys are all super carefree and They don't really judge people or care what people think about them and it's just really nice to be around that you know and we just have a lot of fun and laugh a lot and i think that that has helped me be more secure in myself as well
0: and probably translates to big results on a big stage where you know there's a lot of people watching and surfing can become self-conscious if you're trying to fit into a certain mold or being accepted in any way and if you're free to be yourself You can perform just like the way you want to perform.
1: Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I'm really excited. It's been, I was thinking about, it's been like a year and a half or I guess almost two years since I've competed in an event. That's like, uh, like turn surfing. Cause obviously there's pipeline, but that's just barrels. So yeah, I'm just really excited to do an event where we're doing turns
0: overall oh, looking forward to it you mentioned quickly your the winter season and having some good battles uh, with your younger brother Crosby first of all congratulations on the winter that you turned in on the north shore of Oahu uh, you got to be still buzzing from all the crazy barrels and visions you got not just at back door but on all the venues on the north shore
1: yeah thank you uh, i was for sure the, the winter of my life and I think Crosby's as well. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really good time. I don't know. It was, we we're super fortunate that the contests were called off and the, the waves were insane the whole time. Like it could have easily been terrible, like for it, for there not to be events too. Cause then we got to eat, focus even more on just getting good waves. I think that helped, but, um, yeah, it's gone a really good like routine and program and, I think it all just kind of paid off.
0: I'm trying to remember the comment you made uh, talking about the waves that you were scoring specifically at Backdoor and Pipeline. And sometimes, I think you kind of talked about this relationship with the ocean where everything's kind of going right. And it's like this rhythm that you find and you feel where you lock into a wave and you just know you're going to make it. It's like this connection that you have. And when you have it, you just run with it and enjoy that feeling. Uh, can you describe that where I'm getting at? Cause I remember you had this sort of awareness of you were getting the best waves every day and <laughs> you got to speak to it, talking about this connection with the ocean that you can find at times.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's a hard, hard one to explain. It's like words don't even, can't really even explain it. But I mean, it's, it's more just like you're going out there and you have this feel, this, just this like weird, intuition that something's gonna go your way you know and then and then it just kind of you you don't think about it anymore and then and then you're just talking with your friend next thing you know you're on like the wave of the day it just happens i don't know
0: (laughs) there's these Two moments in your career that really stick out to me as this feeling of a hot streak where you could do no wrong. Everything was just falling into place. I feel like you're on that kind of heater right now, especially after that winter season. But earlier when you qualified and you were sort of shadowing Kolohe, through the Vans Triple Crown, then you won it. And then you, you know, obviously qualified for the tour. You had covers of Surfing Magazine leading up to a semifinal and a perfect 10 on the Gold Coast (laughs) in your rookie debut where everything is just running in place. I think in Australia there's a term for that called a purple patch. I've heard Rabbit Bartholomew call that, that term when an athlete is in motion, everything's in place with body, mind, spirit and connecting, connecting to their craft where they can do no wrong. And I feel like you've hit those periods of time in your career. Uh, going back to that first streak, uh, relive it with me on how amazing that run was through the, through the triple crown title, being the first Californian to do it, kind of marking your reputation in Hawaii very early, and then to ultimately that triple barrel section at Kira to go all the way to the semifinals.
1: Yeah, that I think about that all the time. That that run was amazing and I and I think I contributed to just a lot of hard work and being in the right mental space, just feeling good and and happy and I don't know, yeah. Just feeling believing in myself a lot more, you know? And then so I think I went through that run and then at the end of that run, I kind of got to this point where it was like, I had reached all these dreams of mine like so fast and I kind of, I felt like almost like lost in a way like, well, this is weird. Like I reached all these dreams and now like now what, you know? (laughs) And obviously like there's the world title to look to, but then that's also like, that's a a whole nother beast to wrap your head around. So I'm already I'm just kind of like felt like weird and didn't really know like how to feel. And, um, Yeah. So then, and then I ended up getting a knee injury and kind of that kind of just like reset things for me and, and made me realize like, okay, I gotta, gotta make sure I'm staying like training hard still all these things. And then, so now I just feel like I've like figured out, I've been through that feeling of kind of feeling lost and like, I reached all my dreams. What now, you know, and then, and then kind of like bringing it back together. And now I feel like now that I've been through that, it's like if I do reach those like successful moments again, or when I do, like I'll know how to like keep that run moving and like keep going.
0: It's amazing when you think about any process of getting better. And I think there's the academic part of it. If I lift these weights every day, I'll get stronger and you can go, that will be a direct you know, correlation. But when it's a mental kind of maybe even spiritual run for some people where everything's coming to you. It's like, you want to learn how to get back to that space where everything's just falling in your lap kind of thing. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to capture that feeling. You could remember it, but what are some of the things you do to like, can you create a hot streak? Do you have to just let it happen? How does that work?
1: Yeah, it seems like you kind of have to let it happen. I mean, but you got to put the work into, you know, like the training, mental, mental training whatever that might be for you. Uh, and, and just like really believing in yourself. Uh, we- yeah, I think, I think all those things.
0: You mentioned mental training. What is your mental training and have you been applying it during this 14 day quarantine period?
1: Yeah, I've been on a, I've been on a pretty good program. I figured out, I kind of came in touch with this new kind of meditation that I've been really enjoying and and i've been trying to do that a bunch almost just as much or more than physical training and i feel like it's really been helping me and just feels good to to kind of be like in love with that now
0: you're pretty big into visualization is that right um
1: i am now yeah i'm getting into it.
0: What's the process? you see yourself winning before it happens, or is it just kind of finding more of a happy place where you feel really comfortable in yourself?
1: Uh, well, there's a few different ways to do it. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'd say probably... I don't, know, I don't really want to give my secrets away over here, you know? <laughs> I want to keep it on the DL a little bit. <laughs> I'm Fair it's going to pay off.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, it's interesting with with mentorship, and we we followed the kind of the biggest one we thought before you qualified with shadowing Kolohe and Dino a lot on tour and and then finding yourself in early battles together and then going, wait. This is my friend, a mentor, and then, but you still need to win and surf your best. I remember a classic U.S. Open showdown you guys had. That just on the beach, we could feel this energy of all of San Clemente was just going. Who's gonna take this one? You know, and uh, uh-huh. with that, uh, where is that relationship gone? As far as uh, is there knowledge passed down or passed back and forth between the two of you? Um, are you at this point of your career where you guys are kind of kind of doing your own things and just being friends at this point?
1: yeah at this point for sure we're just friends doing our own thing we're very very pretty like different people in the way we go about things so he kind of has his way out of my way and yeah it, it's cool because they both work but they're both pretty different you know so and then his dad uh Dino and Dino's been a huge mentor to me since I was I don't know since I could remember surfing lowers and stuff uh even like this one time before I got my first ever QS result in Japan. It was like my, my first result to lead me to, I ended up qualifying that year, but that was like the first result that started my role. And before that he helped me, he, I was like having really, having a lot of trouble surfing small waves. And I had like these four new boards. He's like, Oh, I'll, I'll watch you surf small waves on those boards and help you out before Japan. So he. Me and him went down to T-Street together, and I tried out all these boards, and he's like, man, you need to get more forward on your board because I was standing too far back on the tail, and I, I wasn't getting as much speed and drive as I could be. And then once I moved more forward up, like got my front foot more forward, then I started getting way more speed in small ways and getting, like, faster out of the lip, and it helped me so much. And then I went to Japan and got fifth. And it was just like so cool. He helped me so much. And that was like the turning point in my my career. So uh, yeah, Dino's, I love Dino. He's the man.
0: It's amazing how much Dino cares about the next generation as well. To this day, if there's an amateur national contest going on, you know, you guys have all grown up, but he's still down there watching the next generation. And he wasn't afraid to to share advice. I remember when Kolohe and Luke Davis had a rivalry we in their mini grams, like tiny. And he was he would be like, "Hey Luke, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that?" It was he was so giving with that information, and he still is today. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, I think he's just super proud of the people from Many, and he just wants all of the Many to like rise together, you know. And it, he he creates this like community and even when we all go surf and he's on the beach, like, I know each one of us is thinking like, oh, I want to get a good wave in front of Dino, you know, because like, if we come in and he's like, you were ripping out there, you got, how's oh, that one wave, you know, this and that. And you just like, you're stoked if he, if he tells you that. So it's like, it pushes everyone to want to surf so much better. And I think that's part of the reason why everyone from St. is getting so good.
0: It's so true, and he can definitely pump you up and get you fired up in so many ways. Can you imagine if Dino had his own surfing podcast? How incredible that would be. It'd be gold. Oh,
1: oh, it'd be insane. (laughs) With
0: with his knowledge, his stories, the way he talks about it, it's just all love. It's it's really awesome. Well, the coolest part I think I've been noticing in recent months is, well, always, your dad's always by your side, lifelong surfer, lifeguard, and it was really cool that he spent the entire winter season on the north shore with you and your brother and boy man he is not afraid to charge from just shadowing you guys on some big days and then grabbing a camera and getting some unbelievable water shots this winter that was so <laughs> cool to see Mitch out there just uh, getting everybody stoked
1: yeah I was super funny uh he he just decided to grab a GoPro one day and then get out there and he's like I think I could be good at this and he, he got his fins and he came out off the wall and started like getting sh- passed by shots of us with his GoPro. And the next thing you know, like Ryan Miller's like offering his camera, a water housing to let him <laughs> borrow. And then he's out there with a real full on camera housing at pipeline, getting all these shots of guys. And you could hear him, like hooting after someone would get a crazy one. You could hear him like hooting in the channel and everyone would like look back, like who this hooting and it's like my dad in the channel like it's so <laughs> funny um but there's this one time when it was just my dad and crosby had off the wall and it was pretty big and everyone was kind of tripping that my dad was swimming it off the wall like what's, he, what's this guy doing over there you know and, and we see my brother take off on this wave he he takes off and then you see from behind it looked like the wave ended up closing out but as Krause passed by, like went to kick through the back of the wave, his head like went through out the back and then you could see his head get sucked over. And then right after you see another head get sucked over and it's my dad's head. So it was like, you see my brother and then my dad and they both got sucked <laughs> over the falls. <sighs> I just said, I thought that was so funny.
0: That's incredible. I mean, not everyone's dad is willing to put themselves in that situation, and obviously come up laughing and enjoying this whole experience of seeing his son's success on the road. I know your mom has always been so supportive, which is always a sign of why you guys turned into such a great people. You know, I feel like this, this happy, joyful approach from both you and your brother. And it's uh, obviously a testament to having some pretty incredible parents as well.
1: Oh yeah. I got to dedicate so much to my parents because uh, just the way they raised us, I, I feel like they did it. I don't know. I'm just really grateful for the way they raised us. Cause I have a lot of fun just being able to be me and do my thing. And, uh, they're my mom's, you know, she's more on the like strict side, more firm and, and just will tell you how it is. And then my dad's more like kind of the opposite of her. So it's kind of like a funny balance, but I think it it works.
0: Oh, it totally works. It's great. And I see Mitch, uh, just keeping the peace at lowers kind of like a spirit animal of lower trestles on crowded days when the crowd could get really aggy and kind of gnarly. He's like making people smile and saying hi and making sure people are splitting the peak properly. That's not an easy job to, to kind of do maintenance on that lineup sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I know. gets, he gets on his horse out there. Sometimes you have to tell him, Hey, dad, settle down a bit, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's great. I mean, how much have you seen the lineup really change at lowers with this introduction of the e-bike and this e-bike era that that Lower Trestles is going through?
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, and then there's the the cam as well that kind of, it just, I don't know, it, it makes it more crowded on days that used to not be crowded, in the winter, there's always a couple of days that are random little South swells and he, uh, or yeah, then the electric bikes makes it easy for everyone. And yeah, it, it's good and bad. I mean, I definitely take advantage of the electric bike and it makes it, makes it a lot easier to get down there. I surf lowers probably 50% more than I would have before the bike. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate it or love it. It's just, it's just cool, you know, whatever.
0: It's a new era for sure. Well, I'm enjoying our final full day of quarantine here on Caught Inside with Griffin Colapinto. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Griffin after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we're back. We're locked up. Final day. Griffin, I bet you already have huge plans on what you're going to be doing. First thing in the morning. First of all, you had to schedule your time to get out of here. What time are you you bailing?
1: Uh, 7 a.m. through 8 a.m
0: tomorrow. Where are you headed?
1: I'm going over to Boomerang Beach to do a little training camp with Tommy Witts.
0: Right on. That's awesome. Have you been there before?
1: I have. I did a QS there once with Ethan Ewing when we were like 15 or something, 16. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it's pretty rad, that zone. I I really loved it.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. And you could, I hope you really score. It's interesting with what might've changed maybe with the coaching roles going into this year with you famously teaming up with Jake, the snake Patterson. And, and now is it true that Tommy Whitaker and snake have joined forces as a super coach duo and are you, and you're a part of that stable too?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So snake isn't traveling anymore. So Tommy kind of took over and I, I went with Tommy and uh, Tommy hired Snake as his consultant, so I think Tommy is paying Snake to paying him some of the prize money that, that he earns from us or something. And um, so, yeah, it's like Snake will be online helping out through the through the computer, and then t- uh, Tommy will be on the beach. So it'll be a pretty cool little dynamic, I think.
0: What do you kind of attribute to snake and that relationship first on um, what he brought out of you as a competitor on tour.
1: Uh, he, he kind of just brought out the belief in me. I think I, I had a hard time believing that I could do it, you know? And he would, all, he would tell me even the year that I qualified, he told me, Oh, you're going to, you're going to win the QS this year. Watch. And I was like, no way. Like, cause I had my goal. He wanted me to write my goals and. In my goals, I wrote like make the top ten or whatever, you know. And he's like, like make it a better, like make it higher, like have you winning the QS, you know. And I, I just didn't think I could do it. And then, sure enough, the end of the year, I won the QS and qualified. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> he called it. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah. So and then just a lot of stuff I never realized about competitive surfing, and I gotta attribute my qualifying at a young age to him for sure.
0: And now getting to work with Tom Whitaker, you just more resources, uh, a longtime competitor who is extremely consistent in big heats and a real fun personality as well. What's it like working with Tommy Witz now?
1: Oh, it's all time. He's so positive and happy. And just, I feel like our energy fits really well and it's fun to be around him. And he's got good guys around too. Like he's got freestyle and Canela and, um, Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of fun.
0: We've got a question for you from one of your fans, Griffin out in Cape Town, South Africa, this guy named Jake, he mentioned his three most inspiring surfers. So Jake for him made a big impact on him. His own surfing was the great Duke Kahanamoku, Rel's son, and Jerry Lopez. Griffin, he wants to know your top three most inspiring surfers that have impacted your life.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'd say the first one was Julian Wilson. He was my first all-time favorite surfer. I just tried to study him like every day for like five years straight. And then from there, I'd say I went to Joel Parkinson and then, and then our Joel and Andy Irons, those two guys, I just, once I got on tour, I kind of started watching them a lot. Cause I just started appreciating like the things, the little things in their surfing. And then, and now I really am just appreciating Kelly Slater and like his whole mindset and everything that goes on with him. I, I He's like one of my role models.
0: What a list of surfers and and how cool for you, agram Grom grown up in San Clemente making the tour and not just being able to be around those guys, but actually becoming good friends with those heroes that impacted your life.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I, I. It's weird to think that, like, when I was little, I didn't think that, you know, I'd be friends with them. Um, but, yeah, I ended up being friends, and it's, it's really fun. And those guys, it's like, they're funny, you know? It's fun to hang out with.
0: With Parco and being on the same team, was there any moments where you talked in the last couple of years, like, hey, let's go on a surf trip. Let's let's make a movie or, or just even get great waves together. Have you done stuff like that with Joel outside of uh, contest life?
1: Yeah, well... I was I was trying to make a movie. Uh, the year I hurt my I tore my MCL, we we went to Morocco and I was making. We were gonna make a movie, or I was making a movie with Billabong. And my first trip was to Morocco with Mick Fanning and Joel Parkinson. It's like the dream trip. Wow! Show up, show up. Like took like two and a half, three days to get there, and first session, like my sixth wave in freaking tore my MCL had to go home. It was just like, and, and then the movie's done. It's just, and that was kind of, that was the year that was my second, going into my second year on tour. And I was just like, it just threw me for such a loop, you know, and that was, that was a big learning lesson in my life for just turning point. So
0: I can see how that area. would be hard to move on from because I feel pain from that. I didn't get to see this uh, movie created with with yourself and and Mick and Joel. I know that was probably uh, a dream scenario, but I'm hoping that that happens again. I mean, those two guys, two of the greatest, their personalities are are so fun to be around. But it seems like they're also very giving with their knowledge, especially as they were towards the end of their retirement. Are, are those two guys passing on tips to you and, and telling you advice on how you can take on the tour?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I stayed at Mick's house last year when I was coming over for Snapper. We stayed at his house for a week and Crosby and I were just rolling out the questions and he was happy to answer them. So yeah, he's really good like that.
0: I just saw that on uh, Getting Heated, actually. He was saying how cool it was. I think in his position, he's he's really honored when... when the next generation does reach out and now it feels like, hey, he's an open book where he was this like Terminator type look when he was preparing for a heat. He would beat guys before he even paddled out just by how serious and focused he was. And now to see Mick just open up and pass it all down to you. Wow, what an amazing advantage.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's really cool. And um, I really appreciate that about him.
0: Really cool. As we uh, look at the events that are are really unfolding in front of us, we've got a fresh look at uh, the Australian leg of the tour. We're, we're switching gears and going to Newcastle, North Narrabeen, familiar territory, Margaret River, and then this wild card spot. The search is back for Rip Curl, bringing us to Rottnest Island. Which event are you looking forward to the most?
1: Oh, I don't know. I- it's hard to say they all, I kind of feel, I don't really have a favorite. I'm excited for all of them.
0: What's your experience like at Newcastle?
1: Um, I, I have never really done very well there. I think I made like two or three heats at the most in the QS's, but I always loved going there and had a lot of fun. So I don't know. I think that's what matters.
0: My whole take on the wave, I've never been, so it's just stuff I've seen online over the years. Uh, what's what's the venue like as far as opportunity in the water?
1: Uh, it's just, a, it can be a beach break or it can be a kind of a right point. There's a little reef shelf that goes out and sand can form behind there and there could be a, a right point off of it. Uh, every year I went, it seemed pretty rare that it would do that every day, but yeah, it can be really good for airs and just yeah all around you could get any even barrels last year that when they had two years ago and they had the qs it was barreling so who knows it could be it's gonna be fun though
0: have you been staring at the the surf cams watching the waves since you've been in quarantine or are you just waiting until you get there
1: yeah i'm just waiting i haven't been watching any of the surf
0: cams just staying put being present here in quarantine that that's cool well well, thinking about the wave though what type of surfing will we be watching are is it just kind of just according to conditions or are you expecting a lot of huge errors or a little mix of everything
1: i think you'll be seeing some big errors and like really solid two turn three turn combos
0: It'll be a fun event, too, as it's event number two, but there's been a long break, you know, since Pipeline. Uh, For yourself, at the Pipe Masters, you had this glory run of unbelievable free surfs, You're everyone's favorite to win, and then for result-wise, that that event came and went for you much too quick for not just yourself but for your fans. It was like, no, we wanted more. Uh, Tell us about the athlete in you and the headspace of having to walk away return your pipe master's jersey and know that you had to wait maybe a long time to compete again how is that process digesting what what could have been a tough loss for you
1: yeah it was pretty tough i remember getting out of the water and just feeling gut-wrenched and uh it was just hard because i lost i only got like two waves in the heat i was being super patient it's kind of what you gotta do out there but it just didn't work for me that time and uh i just had to swallow the pill i felt like i did everything i could and prepared properly. And, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, Hawaii feels like home to me. So after like a couple hours, I just felt like I'm home, you know, I just keep having fun with my friends. So it was easy to get over that and just enjoy life.
0: And now leading up to new events and there's been time off, I'm sure you have goals. Like you mentioned before, with Snake setting your goals early in your career and he would kind of push your own goals further Uh, what are your goals for, for this season? Uh, what, what do you want this overall season to look like for you?
1: Uh, my goal is to win the world title and yeah, that's my goal.
0: Just bottom line. That's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How are you going to, how are you going to achieve that? What do you need to do?
1: Uh, I got to put in the work, got to prepare properly, work on my physical, my mental, You know, keep asking questions, uh, stay positive and just, you know, trust the unknown.
0: I remember Felipe Toledo made a statement similar to that before he had won an event as well. And it was before the start of 2015. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going for a world title. And then he won snapper. He won three events. There's this, he had this knowing, and then this belief, it was like, this is my time. Uh, Can you relate Mm -hmm. to that and how you're feeling right now going into this year?
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like this is the strongest belief I've ever had in myself. And it just feels amazing. And You know, I trust that.
0: That's great. Well, more events besides Newcastle. We have the Rip Curl Narrabine Classic presented by Corona. Have you been there before?
1: I, I have, I've surfed it a few times, but I never surfed an event there, but it, it can be really fun. Like it's a little ripple right and then kind of like a long left sometimes. So yeah, it, I have heard that the vents in the past were always really good. So yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of stories with world junior champs and obviously CT events in the past. And it's one of those uh, beaches that have a lot of surf history, kind of like Newcastle with, with all these legends and world champs that will come down to the beach and and watch pro surfing. How fun is that to go to a venue with that kind of surfing history, uh, here in Australia?
1: Yeah, it's, it's rad. I mean, there's like, like Bell's beach. If you win bells, you're, you feel, you know, part of the heritage and you know, get your face on the, on the stairs and stuff. So I guess if, I mean what they had the juniors there back when Taj and Andy were in the final and stuff. Right. I That's was just right. watching a, a movie on that the other day. And yeah, so that'll be cool. I'm really excited.
0: And then speaking of Taj, we're going to the West, uh, to his backyard, surfing Margaret River again. And then the, the wild card search event for Rip Curl, bringing it back for us, Rottenest Island. Have you heard of that wave, that spot? Have you been there before?
1: I've never been there, but from what I hear, it's like a pretty rippable right with like a big punt section and then like two or three turn left. But supposedly what I've heard is the right is better. Like you get better scores on the right.
0: And probably nice having a connection with a guy like Snake when you're going to the West and surfing a new spot. I'm sure he's got that place dialed.
1: Yeah, it sounds like he's been there a bit. So I think he's going to come. Yeah, he'll be there for both events. I'm excited to see him. I haven't seen him in a while.
0: You mentioned a lot of your heroes on this podcast. podcast and I also you just reminded me of how you chose your ju- jersey number you wanted the number 99 but someone had it before you so you kind of uh, took it upon yourself to be polite and ask Taj Burrow if it was okay if you wore his number for your career uh, that was such a cool moment for you and and what was that feeling like reaching out to Taj and and getting his blessing for for 99
1: yeah, it's really cool. I I've always respected Taj as a person and as a surfer. So, I just felt like you know, if 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 he would let me wear 99, then it'd be really rad to kind of carry carry his uh energy on with me and uh yeah, I I really like the way the number looks and it's just it's yeah, I don't know, fun.
0: Uh, we are we're just uh, can't wait, Griffin, to see you back in a jersey. Uh, Newcastle, it's coming up fairly quick. Your heat is going to be with Owen Wright and Leo Fioravanti in the seating round. Uh, how do you like that matchup?
1: It's a solid heat. It's probably one of the hardest heats in the round. So, perfect. Started off hard.
0: Uh, crazy to see Fioravanti had to fight for that spot on tour and, and something we'd never seen before. And he has kind of redefined himself. Coming on tour, falling off, back again in maybe the toughest scenario. Uh, what, what's uh, Leo really bring to the top 34? What makes him so dangerous?
1: Uh, he seems really, really confident. You know, when he's confident, he's super confident. So it's kind of cool to see that energy and kind of try and take a piece of that, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's respectable.
0: And also Owen Wright with what he's been through in his career, but also what he's achieved in crazy waves like Cloud Break, Two Perfect Heats, coming back, doing the impossible after the head injury winning snapper. What are you expecting out of a battle with Owen Wright?
1: Uh, He's probably just going to be super smart and selective with waves. So I'll try and work that out with Tommy and see what we can come up with.
0: What about the big brother role with Crosby? I mean, he's a wild card and he's had the Super Tubos appearance, which was great to see. He's getting his feet wet at different locations. But when you're a wild card, you have to surf against the heaviest guys in the world. He's going to have a heat with Gabriel Medina and also Frederico Marais. Uh What is your brother up against in that heat?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's up against the world champ and then Fred's super experienced too. But crosbys he's surfing so good right now. Like, I have no... No worries seeing him go on and beat those guys, you know. I'm excited to see what he does.
0: Is it like a goal for, for you too, uh, speaking of your brother, to, to have a huge heat <laughs> at Newcastle if hopefully the draw works out that way?
1: Yeah, I think it'd be insane. Hopefully later on in the rounds, but I'd love to go up against him.
0: I flash back to some brother matchups in my mind. And, you know, obviously what Andy and Bruce would get out of each other would be pretty crazy and aggressively pushing each other, calling each other out, uh, saying they wouldn't go on certain waves and obviously creating what they are, you know, as the greatest surfers ever. And then you look at the Hobgood brothers, two of the best of all time. And I remember there was a situation where Damien was about to fall off tour, needed a result. This is when we had the Coldwater Classic in 2012. And CJ, his twin brother, went up to him and said, Hey, if anyone's going to knock you off this tour, it's going to be me. And it was just like, Whoa, <laughs> that was so heavy. Uh, can you relate to that as a brother? Are we going to see that kind of fight if, if you do get a matchup with Crosby? <laughs>
1: uh i don't i don't think we'll see it go to that level but (laughs) we definitely we definitely push each other's buttons for sure Crosby says some stuff that gets me fired up and you know i'll get back at them and yeah it's it's pretty funny sometimes we're just like kind of joking around but and then someone will say something that's kind of like too far and then get actually pissed off and then yeah it can be pretty funny
0: but you know how to challenge it, uh, channel it. That's great. Well, Griffin, before we get into your quarantine quiz, uh, everyone's been really talking about one event more than any other <laughs> for this year, and for good reason: the Rip Curl WSL Finals at your home break of Lower Trestles, where the top five get to compete for a world title. Uh, we've got you've had a long time to think about it and talk about it. Uh, what is your opinion on this one day surf off for, for the world title this year?
1: Uh, I love it. I think it it's gonna be way more exciting and way more fun for everyone. And you know the fact that it lowers is great too because the opportunity I feels pretty equal. You can go left, you can go right, do airs, turns. I mean, you're missing the barrel factor, but I feel like you know a world champion should be able to be. It shows like the full package there. I mean, except barrel riding, but. It's hard to go to a place that has barrels and you can do the the good carves and the good airs, you know? So it's like the one spot where you can like show pretty much everything you have. And so I think it's fair in that way. and It really shows uh, who's the best surfer.
0: When you heard the news that it is at lower trestles as a local boy, Growing up on this wave, were you just going, oh my gosh, big advantage in your corner? Is it a wave like that where you're going, all that knowledge of you and the experience of surfing there, are you going, oh, this is great, falling right into my lap here?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part of my big motivation this year is just knowing that it's going to be there. I'm like, I have to be in it. I can't not be in it, you know? So I'm just doing everything I can.
0: Because it's such a fan favorite to watch. Because like you said, it brings every aspect. A right, a left, progression, power. And you get the whole mix of it during the old events we had on the championship tour. And you look at some events around the world where the locals just thrive. They, They just take over certain lineups because things are tricky and they just know the ropes. You think Jack Robinson at the box. You think of all the heavy days at Pipeline and all the experienced surfers doing really well uh lowers kind of specifically is that a, a wave that you just see the whole tour just rising up to the to the table and being able to take it on very quickly is it just cater to everyone's strengths on tour is that what makes it so exciting
1: yeah i think so it caters to everyone's strengths and then you see the guys who've won in the past it's it's like kelly slater won like six times out there mcfanning's won multiple times like all the world champions win out there like multiple times. So it's like obvious, like that's the world champion's wave. You know, you rarely, you rarely ever see it, uh, an upset, of a, a guy that, uh, you know, like a bottom tier surfer winning that contest. So it's like, you know, it really shows.
0: Well, I know you like to visualize a bit, especially now, if you could just dream up the perfect forecast for lowers. On that single day, world title day, what do you want the waves to be like, to be the perfect scenario for lowers, to bring out the best?
1: Uh, I'd say, like, five to six feet, south-southwest swell, like, 13, 12, probably 12, 13-second intervals, and, uh, yeah, just like a little bit of light breeze. For for like lip, for the lip, <laughs> and but you can still do cars and all that.
0: I'm gonna visualize that too, man. That's what we're hoping for uh, this year at the Rip Curl WSL Finals. I cannot wait. Let's dive into your quarantine quiz, Griff. You've made it this far. Final day of being in lockdown. You're gonna be free tomorrow morning. First of all, how many boards did you bring with you to Australia?
1: I brought I brought 16 boards.
0: Not bad. Have you ridden all of them or are they a bunch of freshies?
1: I've ridden like probably seven or eight of them.
0: Did you bring
1: the Pinto bean? Uh, No, I didn't bring the Pinto bean. I wanted to so bad, but I just couldn't fit it.
0: (laughs) I guess quickly we got to mention the Pinto bean was a model that you made with your cousin (laughs) Corey. How big is that thing? Uh, 5'4". Wow, it looks so fun!
1: Yeah, it's so fast and so fun. I couldn't believe it. I was like,
0: "Whoa, we made this?
1: Are you serious?"
0: Did it give you uh, an appreciation for the craft of of building boards? Do you want to build more?
1: Oh, 100 percent. I I was I never really knew like exactly what went on when it came to that, and to like go in there and do it was really cool. Just you start kind of connects a lot of things in your head.
0: Well, we've got some time here. I wonder if someone could ship that thing out for us. Cause I want to see you ride it. <laughs> <amazing>. Honestly, uh? <laughs> uh, another good question for you, uh, coming into quarantine, 14 days of isolation. Did you reach out to anyone for advice coming into it and what'd they say?
1: Um, well, Tommy Witz had done it, done it, uh, already. So he was kind of giving me a couple pointers, you know, but I had already kind of figured like, you know, get a good routine and that, that's probably most important.
0: And your routine was perfect. Uh, balanced with comedy for us, relaxing, yeah. but also with mental prep as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had it all for sure.
0: <laughs> what do you have planned for today?
1: Uh, today, I'll probably do a foundation training after this, that 12-minute video on YouTube. It's like super good for your back. You just feel super good after. And then I'll make some breakfast and then, Maybe do another little meditation and then do an exercise workout and then have, watch some shows, maybe read a little bit, have dinner, watch some more shows and then read a little (laughs) more and then do another little meditation before bed.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a great day. What's your show right now? Do you have one that you're just binging through this time?
1: No, I kind of just been bouncing around. I, I would watch that. Uh, Andy Irons, uh, documentary that stabbed did. That was super fun to watch. And then the Billy Kemper series, super inspiring. Uh, I just been like listening to podcasts and kind of trying to watch like motivational stuff.
0: Oh, great choices. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, looking at back, you know, in the rear view, we're almost out of here. What are the three must haves that you needed to be here to survive quarantine?
1: um well i'd say books computer and books computer and i don't know um some of this workout equipment's pretty important to probably the bike the bike they gave us that was pretty massive
0: huge that's been yeah. a- huge for everybody that's been great to break a sweat well, in the beginning of this series, I was finding out what people wanted to achieve their goals just for this 14-day period, two weeks inside. Well, now that you're the final guest, did you achieve your goals? If you did set any, are you feeling pretty proud of how you used your time inside?
1: Yeah, I'm very proud. I, I honestly think this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me during this quarantine. i just been able to reflect on a lot of things and understand what works for me and what doesn't work and what makes me happy you know and what kind of routine i i should be on to feel good every day and so like even just like in the morning instead of going straight to your phone like doing something else you know like whatever it is that you want to do just don't go straight to your phone just fogs up your brain like so much so yeah I'm, i'm happy with the way it went
0: So cool. And what great advice, especially in this space, you almost feel like you'd give yourself the freedom to have your screen time go up a bit, but actually doing the opposite to feel better.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. It just makes you, you just start, your mind just starts thinking about this and that. And it's like, just blows out your whole day.
0: (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're coming out with the best outlook and using this as more of an opportunity to become better and, and really Discover something in yourself. What did you find out about yourself during this time?
1: Um, I probably just—I just found out. You know, I'm just finding my belief in myself, just making my belief stronger.
0: Great, that's powerful, Griffin. Thank you so much. Uh, Your big charter flight trivia question is coming up. This is all about that amazing charter flight we had to get here. We've been asking questions about how many boards were on the flight, how many people, how many nationalities. Well, now your question, Griffin, is what model airplane was the WSL charter flight? What model was it?
1: Oh, was it? I want to say it was Qantas, but... I don't know if it was Qantas. Was it? No, it well, was that's
0: Qantas. Right. It was Qantas, but I want to yeah. know what type of airplane it was. So what was the oh, model okay. of the actual airplane?
1: Like an AA-47 or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is that even a model? I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> well, it should be. It was a Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner. <laughs> Smaller oh, than a 747, about 25 feet shorter.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> that one was wow. hard. We had to fill out a lot of paperwork. Bonus question for you. What was the flight number of that, of that flight?
1: Uh, what was it was it 15? <laughs> flight 6042 those are random <laughs> okay. questions for you <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> i'm kind of like that you didn't uh, know those you're you're present with where you were you accomplished uh, such an amazing run in quarantine and i'm so happy that you feel better than you do did when you entered and you became out a better human being griff that's something to be really proud of
1: thank you joe appreciate that
0: so stoked for your time enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your freedom tomorrow
1: all right, well, I'll see you soon, y'all.
0: Huh, yeah, sounds good, Griff. Thanks so much. Okay. And thanks, everybody out there for watching Caught Inside. You can check out all of the episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you at the start of the Australian leg, the Rip Curl Newcastle Cup presented by Corona starting on April 1st.